This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. What happens when you get two productivity and time management nerds together? Well, you're about to find out, and we're going to be talking a lot about procrastination. But before we get to that, I want to invite you to go get my top five productivity tips, which is actually more than five. I didn't want to call it more than top five productivity tips. Just head on over to top five productivity tips.com. That's the number five top five productivity tips.com. Dave Buck is not only the owner and chief timekeeper at Kairos Management Solutions, who is passionate helping people time optimize their time management. He's also a rare repeat guest on the show. Dave was First on an episode 1070, this is episode 1112. That was back on April 7th. This is July 9th. We just recorded this yesterday, folks. I mean, I released these episodes the very next day, so this is going to be really current. Dave, welcome back to the show. Well, I'm honored to be back. Thank you for having me again and love to be that rare repeat guest as well. Well, you know, you got to be a good guest in order to be back on the show. If you were horrible, why would I have you back on the show? Well, and thank, well, good. You've affirmed at least last time I wasn't horrible. I didn't think so. So I got that affirmation right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to I want to start out by giving you adoration and praise as we first start. So one of the things we want to talk about in the show today is procrastination. Now, I've written a lot about procrastination. You probably uh, have as well. And one of the things I believe in, and I would love to know your take on this, I believe that when you're doing what you love to do, you are still going to procrastinate, but the procrastination is going to go down tremendously as opposed to someone, well, they got a job, they like the benefits, they get so much vacation time off, but they hate the job. They may procrastinate more. So what say you? I would agree. I have no quantitative value to put on that, but I would definitely say that the more you really enjoy or love something, the proportion that you're going to procrastinate goes down tremendously. And one of the tools that I provide and I work with my clients on is actually called the procrastination time assessment. And it's 18 questions that they take. And it's funny. Uh, about 6% of the people who have responded and taken it said they don't procrastinate at all. And I don't believe that because I think we all <laughs> procrastinate at some point. And then ironically, about 50% say they do it somewhat, but then the balance, about 44% say they do it most of the time or all the time. And so it to me is the biggest, uh, biggest single thing I work with people on from a time management standpoint, is procrastination and how detrimental that is to someone who's trying to be productive. Yeah, everybody procrastinates. And if you think you don't, you're known as a liar because there is something that you hate doing and you put that thing off as long as you possibly can. For me, it's admin work. I I know there's admin work. I'm a solopreneur and I don't like doing admin work. And so I push it off as much as I possibly can. And even though I'm known as Mr. Productivity, I freely admit I do 
procrastinate. Now, if you get me on a podcast, uh, YouTube, you get me creating content, you create me on, on a coaching call. I never procrastinate there because I love doing that stuff. But the admin work, oh, no, not so much. And I, I am not as bad as you as it relates to the admin work. Actually, where I find I procrastinate is I do a good job of doing an outline of content. So I'll write something down real quick about what I want to. Then when you got to sit down and really put it down on paper and, and get the gist of what you want to say, sometimes that can be pulling teeth. I'll go do admin work before I do that sometimes. <laughs> you know, that's funny because... I don't know what happened, but I have this ability where I can grab my phone and I can say, okay, I want to recreate a short video, 59 seconds or less, so I can put it on YouTube Shorts, TikTok, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, et cetera, et cetera. And I think of an idea. I'm like, okay, what do I want to talk about? Get an idea, hit record, and I just do it. I don't know. Maybe because I've done it so many times, I can do that so rapidly. And then I just go out and post it because I know a lot of people do what you do. They're like, well, I want to make it perfect. You're never going to make perfect content. And I think that you should just get it out there. And I, I heard Grant Cardone say that if you look at his content carefully, not the content that his team creates, but the content he creates. There's misspellings in there and, you know, bad, bad emojis and stuff like that. He goes, nobody cares. You care because it's your content. But most people, they're like, oh, another piece of content from Grant or Dave or Mark. They don't care. We are being worse critics than other people are. And I just say, just do it. Whether it's admin work or creating content, don't overthink it. Just do it. And to, yes, to use the Nike term, I agree 100% because when you come back on the other side of it, you, I find myself saying a lot, why did I wait so long to do that? Or, or, or what, what's the deal? It wasn't that hard. And so, you know, and procrastination, that's one of the challenges is people is like, I don't want to do it because it's hard. Well, if it's hard, why is that hard? Is because mm. you, you're trying to put 20 steps into something that you should break up into more chunks so that you're doing small chunks and working it through. You know, it's easy. Like if you want to sit there and say, I'm going to write a book tomorrow. Okay. You're going to procrastinate because you're not going to get it done. There's too much in that. So break it down and say, I'm going to write the introduction tomorrow. That's a little bit different. That, that gives you the positive motivation you do to then get to the next step in the process. And that's, Usually for me, it's procrastination is because I'm trying to do too many things at one time. I have a saying, complexity is a gateway to procrastination, which is just what you just said. When you make things so complicated, you're like, well, I'm not even going to start. It's too complicated. But here's the thing. If you want to write a book, well, first of all, you have to come up with the topic. Then what I've, now I'm not a book author, but I've heard from other authors on my show you sit there and you start brainstorming. You get a piece of paper or a whiteboard out and you start, okay, what do I want to talk about? You don't start talking about chapters and you just think about what do I want to say in the book? You don't start writing until maybe after you get all the brainstorming done, but people, they look at everyone. Everyone's got a book. Well, everyone has a book, but not everyone has a best-selling book. Most books sell less than a thousand copies, but if you want to do it, you have to go through the process. You, If you go to 
and uh, a course and you learn how to write a book, they're going to take you exactly what you said, Dave. They're going to take you. This is how you write a book. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Step one is not writing the book. Step one is probably coming up with an idea. And so I, I think that people could procrastinate a lot less if they would just break things down to as simple steps as you can. And even further than that, what is the next thing you have to do? Not, not 10 steps down the road. What is the very next thing you need to do? No, I, I agree with that. And, and so much of how I approach to help people is I, I ask them to focus in three areas. First one is personal. Second is planning. And the third is process. So when you're procrastinating, first of all, you look at you. What am I doing for things that are around me for that, that are causing me to procrastinate? Uh, is that I, and that's, there's, that leads itself also into distraction, but still having an office set up or not having an office set up can cause you to procrastinate if you can't get to the things you want to because then you're going to go, I got to get my office cleaned up. So what do you have to do personally to do that? Then the next thing is, how do you plan? Um, are you planning correctly? Are you setting your calendar up? Are you allocating the right amount of time? Are you doing yourself to protect yourself during the time that you need to be working so you don't procrastinate? And then really the third element is that how do I go execute it or what's the process? So I've laid out everything. I've identified it. This is my plan. Now are you truly executing or are you kind of like, I'm going to wait or I don't want to do that yet or whatever. So I kind of bundled those three things together, kind of the three P's. It's so much of what I do to coach other people on just general time management is personal planning and process. I, I love that. And one of the things I picked up as you were talking is writing things down. I'm 57 years young and I remember when there was no electronics and then when electronics came out, I would put everything on my electronics. Now I've come full circle. Now the planner I use is a print planner because I find for me, when I sit down and go, okay, what do I want to accomplish tomorrow? And I write it down. I, I don't want to write unnecessary words. So I think I'm like, okay, what, what will move the needle for me tomorrow? And I found if I'm using my phone or a computer, it's like, oh, I don't care. I'm just typing things away, right? It doesn't matter as much. But when I took the time to write it out, I'm like, okay, what is really going to be impactful for me to do tomorrow? Now, do you find that when you actually physically write things down, it helps you think, it slows you down, so you are planning things more productively, or do you just do the electronic way? So I'm, I would say I'm probably a hybrid. So I use, I use a, a, a just kind of a general journal. I don't have a formal planner, but it's important to me. I write things down because, first of all, I've, I've tried like my iPad with, with. You know, you can use the pen, iPad pen as kind of a note thing. You can type or whatever. It, it's just not the same for me. I've got to have something in there that I can write down, that I can scribble, go back to. But then at some point for me, if it's important enough, then it goes into my calendar system, my task system that I use. Um, and it's, it's put in there because I love the advantage of the technology. Particularly, I think both you and I use HubSpot as a CRM. Um, I can assign a task in there and it emails me at the time I want it to for the reminder so you can get that specific. 
you want to. But I, I have tried as I as I can to get away from the written thing because I'm like, it's tech, it's tech. I still find myself like you. I have, if it's important to me, I write it down. I might take notes and then go back and say, what's my process there? What I do is what's actually on my calendar are actual appointments, podcast interview, coaching clients, training, stuff like that. But the other stuff, the planner I use has got time blocks. So it's got like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., 9 a.m. to noon, noon to 3, 3 to 6, 6, 6 to 9, and 9 till later. And what that allows me to do, I'm like, okay, so 9 to, 10, 9 to noon today, I've got an interview with Dave Buck. Okay, but what else am I going to do in that block? Now, the Dave Buck interview went on my actual calendar, but the other stuff doesn't because it doesn't have to be done at 10 or 1030 or 11. So I'm like, okay, I need to process the interview. Oh, I need to, um, I just purchased a new course. I'm going to go through that course. I'm going to do some reading, but that doesn't have to be done at a specific time. So I truly do use a hybrid approach. The things that go on my calendar are things that are really time sensitive. They need to be done at a specific time. But if someone says, Hey, uh, I wrote a great email. Can you read it? And it's like, like 40 pages long. I'm going to, I'm going to schedule time when I can get to it. So what I want to impress upon people is you don't have to do Dave's way or Mark's way. You need to learn a bun- bunch of different ways and go, okay, out of all these different ways I've learned, what would best serve me and make it your own? Because if it's your own, you're much more likely to use it. Oh, I totally. Totally 100% agree with that is, is, uh, you can get out there and I feel you can get sucked into the tech aspect of things. There are all kinds of platforms out there, free, subscribed or whatever that are designed to help you manage things. But if people don't do it, it doesn't matter what's provided with you. You have to invest your time in your time management to be able to make it work. And, and quite frankly, I, I, I'm a believer that whether you use Outlook or Google, between those two systems and, to your point, some s- secondary aspect that you write something down or whatever your system is, whether it's electronic or whether it's handwritten like Mark and I do, you have enough there to be productive. Now, I'm not discounting other software licenses or platforms or things out there that work really well. But if you're looking to just get started in a good time management regimen, you have Google, you have Outlook, and then you've got a pad of paper. You have the tools you need to get started. Yeah. And it's going back to Nike. You just have to do it because one of the things I do every day, I picked this habit up from Grant Cardone, is I write my goals down twice a day. Twice a day, when I first wake up and when I go to bed, I don't think about them. I don't read them. I write them. And one of the things, this is kind of an evolving process. So one of the things I always do is I never look at what I wrote yesterday or the day before or last week. When I sit down to write my goals, I'm like, okay, what are my goals on my heart today? These are not my targets for the day. These are long-term goals. Like I've been writing recently, probably last week or so, that I have a net worth of over a hundred million dollars. Now, some people are going to say, why do you need so much money? I could just hear some of my relatives and some of my friends who are mainly living paycheck to paycheck. Why do you need so much money? But here's the thing. When you have a lot of money, 
you have a lot of choices. That's the way Grant explains it. You have a lot of choices. If you have a lot of money, then you can go pay off your parents' house. You can, uh, your, maybe your mother needs some surgery that Medicare won't, um, cover. Well, here's the thing. You take mom off of Medicare and say, I'm going to pay private. When you pay private, you, you, the options are endless. You can, the single mom for, of three whose car broke down, you could buy them a brand new car and go to the dealer and say, if, if she gets a fly in her windshield, she can drive it in here and you can clean it off. Everything's covered. Think about the money, the things you could do with the money. Now, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you want to have a podcast bigger than Joe Rogan, or you want to have a YouTube ch- channel bigger than Mr. Beast. You write these goals down and these are going to be so big goals that they can't happen this year or 2023 or 2025 or 2030. These are huge goals because that gets you excited every day. And then when I go and write my goals at night, I sit there. I don't look at what I wrote that morning. I'm like, what's on my heart today? And what's happening, the longer you do this, you're going to start seeing a theme. Oh, okay. I see what's going on now. And I, I can't overemphasize writing your goals down twice a day. For me, it has been life-changing. And I would just go to the very beginning to say, write goals down because so many people don't even write any goals at yep. all down. I, I have annual goals that I put in there for myself, but then I had big, my wife and I have got our bucket list of things that we want to do, places that we want to go. Don't know when that's going to happen, but it's out there. And so I, I am one that says I like annual goals. And then uh, I think it was what, uh, is what Jim Collins had BHAG, Big Harry, audacious goals, those ones that you just are like, you know, my net worth, I want $100 million, or I, I want to have a YouTube channel that's got a million views every every week or whatever. Great. Um, put that out there. Then you have to be intentional because you, you can let those huge goals be the ultimate in procrastination. If that's mm-hmm. important to you, then you start the small chunks Okay, so what do I have to do to even take the first step towards that goal? And then you put that down and you do, then to your point, you mentioned earlier, then what's the second step? Then what's the third step? And pretty soon you'll be on your way, but you can't, you you can put a big goal out there, but if you don't act to it, that's procrastination. I like how Tony Robbins puts it. When you make a decision like creating a goal, you need to do something in the moment. It doesn't matter how small it is to fortify that decision. So for example, let's say you're going to write a book and like, okay, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to go out and get an account with Fiverr because I know I'm going to need a uh, a cover artwork made for my book or maybe i'm going to start doing some research on you know editors or something it, do it in the moment because you've made a decision you created the goal now you've taken just a few minutes to do something to put the stake in the ground now it's no longer yeah i'd like to have this big youtube channel you go to you go to amazon app and you buy the best selling book on how to grow a youtube channel right then and you order it and have it delivered now what happens you've made the decision to make the goal and you went out and did something now, you can't read the book because it's not here yet, but the, you did something. And I think if people would do that, as soon as they make a decision, they would be much more likely to accomplish those goals than they go, yeah, my goal is this, and they don't ever revisit it again. 
Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. Yeah, it's once you decide to land on something, uh, procrastination is because you've decided, either you've delayed and say, ah, that's not important to me, that goal I established maybe wasn't as important, which is what I like what you said about goals in the morning and the afternoon, in the evening, you're writing them twice, hadn't thought about that, but that either reinforces what you're doing um, and it keeps you from procrastinating or it asks you to to reevaluate what you're doing. And I can tell you, when I, I graduated college and, and I'm, I'm 58, so I'm, I'm a year older than you are. Uh, and, and people could probably tell by the gray hair that I didn't graduate college <laughs> yesterday, but I graduated college with an economics degree. And, um, you know, I now own my own business, but in the course of that, I went into sales. And at one point I worked for Hallmark cards, still enjoy the company, still a fan of them. I sold greeting cards. And at one point, um, I said, I got an economics degree. If I, you said it to me in college, I would be selling greeting cards. It'd be like, you're nuts. And so I think your goals change. Sometimes it's okay to say, if I have to be in this spot because it affords me what I need to do to plan to get to another spot, that's also okay. Uh, that keeps you from procrastinating because you're thinking about the next step. I'm also a fan of when you're in Whatever job you have, be the very best that you're yeah. at, at, you know, give it your all. But at the same time, if it's a springboard to a greater opportunity that affords you to reach a long-term goal, own that as well. It's okay to work for somebody for a season to move on to something else. The idea is, is, is if you're continually moving, you're not, then it, you reduce the ability to procrastinate. Hmm. I remember a couple, several years ago, I went to work for a local pizza place delivering pizzas, right? And when I went there, it was for financial reasons for our family. But God was actually working on me because I thought I was like really something special. And he wanted me to knock me down a few po- uh, a few pegs, more than a few pegs, actually. And I wasn't just delivering pizzas. I mean, I was actually, there was actually a sit-down restaurant. I had to go bust the tables. I had to, you know, do the dishes and all that nasty stuff and take the garbage out. But I had to go through that because God was looking at me like, okay, uh, like the movie, the movie Top Gun, you know, my, my mouth was writing checks. My body can't cash. I was writing, saying all these great things. And God goes, look at, I'm going to do m- m- amazing things in your life, Mark. Amazing. But you are, you're, you're shooting your mouth off right now. And I need to take you down a few pegs. And that was a very humbling experience. Not saying there's anything wrong with people who work in restaurants, not at all. But for me, I needed the two by four up against the head to recenter. Hey, why are you here? Because I really believe everyone's here on this planet, whether you believe in God or not. Everyone's here for a reason. And I was thinking about the fame and the fortune and the private islands, the private jets. And God had to knock me down several pegs. And I'm glad he did because now I realign my trajectory. Now I think I'm going in the right direction. Yeah, I, as a person of faith myself, um, God has been in the mix for me 
to get to the point for Kairos Management Solutions. It wouldn't have happened without prayer, discernment, uh, reliance on him. I mean, I set up a plan. It's not like I said, okay, God, give it to me. I still had to do the work to set the plan up, but it's the invitation in the process that helps me bring clarity. And quite frankly, there's been times where prayer has helped me overcome procrastination because it's brought clarity for me as well. Yeah. I, a lot of people struggle with clarity. As another, uh, matter of fact, one of the first things I deal with my clients is clarity. Because when you, because you mentioned nearly if some people don't write their goals, some people don't even have goals. And I find that so sad. I mean, it's your goals. They're free. They're your dreams. What gets you up in the morning? And so many people, when I ask them, okay, tell me about your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. And it's, I hear crickets. It's like, we're talking about your life, your dreams. Well, and they start making excuses. I don't want to hear excuses. What do you want? Let's put the money aside. Let's put the education aside. Dreaming is free. And I am stunned by the number of people who just don't gift themselves the desire to dream and go, someday I'm going to have this, or someday I'm going to do this, or someday I'm going to be a best-selling author. They don't even get clear on what they want. I can't give you your goals. Dave can't give you your goals and they're free. And what I recommend people do, if you've never done this exercise before, you and I have done this countless times, is just go someplace quiet. That means without your phone and get a piece of paper or a notepad and a pen and maybe a bottle of water and just start writing all the things you really love to enjoy doing. And the more you write, you're like, oh yeah, oh man, I forgot about this. And all of a sudden you're going to get these, all these blossoms, all these goals and these dreams are going to blossom for you. You got to do the exercise. Nobody can do that for you. And interestingly for folks in our age group, um, I know for many uh, years, I did not have formal goals because there was this idea of this is your trajectory. You graduate college, you go get a job, you go have a family, you get a house, you get stuff, you, you then get a bigger, better job with bigger and better stuff, and then eventually at some point you just go retire. And, um, and that was traditionally what your pathway, that was an acceptable, that's like a life goal right there. And it, I actually credit my children and I think people today uh, growing up have this, um, have amazingly opportunities, have, have been given this gift of thinking differently than I think I did when I was growing up. And it was my kids who were like, Hey, I'm going to save money because I want to go do this. My son just got married. He is ending this week, six weeks honeymoon. They saved their money up to go to Alaska. And they went to Alaska, drove around. Part of it was camping out. Some of it was staying in really nice hotels. But they planned everything, and they saved their money to do it. They established a goal. He's coming back with no debt. He didn't put a dollar on a credit card. Wow. And, and, you know, both of my kids in their 20s have both taught me to stop and say, focus more on the personal goal. Doesn't doesn't necessarily just mean you. It might mean your broader family. It might be you and your spouse or significant other, you and your kids. But stop for a second and just say, what do you want? And then to your point, build it around that. 
And I think, you know, it, it may mean you may not earn as much money as you think you might want to over time, but I gotta tell you, you have a more satisfying and fulfilling life. When I tell people that one of my goals is to own my own private jet, I think it's funny because there's two groups of people. There's the one side, mainly my family and my my friends who don't have big goals. They're like, what do you want a private plane for? And I always ask them, I was like, so if I had a private plane, would you want to ride on it? Oh, of course. Oh, <laughs> I see how that works. The other group of people are like, hey, you know what? You should have a plane. And here's what I want to impress upon people that you want to hang around people when you have crazy goals of having a net worth of $100 million or owning a private island or a private jet. You want the people to say, you know what? You should do that. That's the kind of people you want to hang around with. You don't want to hang around the people going, why do you want to have that? What's the point? Why don't you slow down? Why don't you relax? You don't want to hang around those people. Those are the Eeyores. We want to hang around the Winnie the Poohs and the Tigers. If you've listened to the show at all, you know I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan. You want to hang around those people. Hang around people that are going to say your crazy goals are awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to me, the, the money aspect is a motivation. It's not the end all to be all. It's when it becomes the end all to be all. That's the deal. And so I would just say when you get your private jet, please feel free to come down to Florida and pick me up and take me for a spin. Um, because I, I hate traveling today. It's gotten so bad. Um, I saw your, your one article about flying first class. I'm like, Mark, you're so on it. If you can afford to do it, reward yourself fly first class, you know? But, you know how that came about, though? It came about because we were going to go see my my mother and my father in Florida in May, and my mom was struggling with Alzheimer's, and I didn't know it, but she died like a month after we visited her, so we made, uh, you know, it was a perfect time to go see him. And when my wife bought the tickets, she told me how much they were, the coach tickets. I'm like, how much is first class? You know, I'm I just curious. And it was only $300 more per ticket. I'm like, go ahead and buy it. And the first time you fly first class, it, it's like, it's a totally different experience. There's no pressure getting on the plane. You can have all the food you eat, all the want you want to drink, but they treat you so well. Think about this. There's four flight attendants on the plane. There's two for 16 people in first class and two for the people the rest of the plane. Now, I am not wealthy. But I don't go and get Netflix and Starbucks and stuff like that. So when I fly, I fly first class. Now, it's amazing how many people judge me on this, Dave. And I'm like, but you spend, you have HBO Max, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Amazon Prime. And I'm listing all these things. And I'm like, I don't have that stuff. So instead of getting that stuff, I fly first class. And I'm like, but then I stop myself. I'm like, why, why do you care? You're not paying for the plane ticket. It's amazing how we get caught up in other people's business, but I'm not asking anyone to pay for my plane ticket. So why does it bother you? I fly first class. I, I am just stunned or you stay at a five-star hotel or you get concierge service. These people that are saying, why are you doing that? Usually family and friends. I'm not asking you to pay the bill. So none your none your business. Just move on. Keep on moving. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, I I agree that that it's where you want to put your priorities. It's a balance between 
you know, what's important to you and not important to you. And as one who has been a road warrior, I haven't lately COVID kind of changed all that just, just not because I, there was a desire that I had to stop flying. It was just the nature of what COVID did. And quite frankly, now I would rather not fly, you know, just because of how, how bad it is. But if I fly like you, I look and say, how much more does it cost to fly first class? Sometimes you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Some, it's not that much. That's and sad. so treat yourself and get the better service, you know, instead of, can I have the full can of Coke, please? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked that the, the coach tickets was 478 and the first class was 823. And I, I did the math in my head. I'm like, I'm thinking it was like a thousand, two thousand dollars. It was like now, now to put this into context, I flew from Houston, Orlando. There's a United flight that goes back and forth. Now it's obviously going to be different if I went from Houston, New York City, or Houston, Alaska. But I'm just saying, you know, you only get one life. So when you're going to do something, if you're going to go to a steak restaurant and you only go to a steak restaurant maybe for your anniversary once a year. Then go all out, get the best cut of meat and get the best dessert, get the best champagne. If this is a special night, now, if you're going out every night, I'm not talking about that, but you know, you get one life and, and, and don't feel you need to explain to anyone. If you want to go get something or buy a special car and people start criticizing, just say, Hey, listen, I'd rather not have this conversation because I don't owe you an explanation. And people think that we owe other people explanations. We don't. It's your money. It's your decision. You're a mature adult. Go on and get what you want to get, whether it's first class or a new car, whatever the case may be. And if you get those naysayers, again, usually family and friends, just say, listen, I don't have time for this. Well, and that goes back to the, the procrastination of things is if you have the opportunity and it, you can make the right decision and you can fly first class, you can go to that good restaurant and you're not going to detrimentally affect yourself in other areas, do it then because you're kind of like, well, maybe I'll do it at another time. You may not be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. Enjoy enjoy that opportunity when it comes up as long as it's not going to negatively affect you and, and you get that wonderful experience. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't put your family in the financial uh, dilemma because you wanted to fly first class because you heard Mark talking about it in his podcast. That's not the situation. I don't know your situation. We were able to swing it. And so you had to evaluate it at the, at, at the time. But like we've been talking about the whole show, don't procrastinate. Okay. If you always want to fly first class, go ahead and do it. You're never going to know what it feels like until you do it. But you know, it's mu- funny. I feel safer flying now because they have all these highfalutin filters on the plane. Now the problem is, is there's so many cancellations. So it's not the safety. It's like, Correct. will your plane ever get off the ground? <laughs> That's, right. And it's got, right. it's got nothing to do with the air filtration system. <laughs> yes. Will it, will it have the canceled next to the time it's, yeah, that's, that's been, been that. And, and just how, how short staffed they are and overworked these folks are who work on yep. the airlines, you know, it's, it, and, and they get us cranky passengers who can't get to where we want to go. It just, mm-hmm. I hope that gets fixed here at some point in the near future so that everyone can enjoy the experience from the consumer to the provider. Yeah. And the issue is nobody was flying during COVID and then COVID pretty much, you know, dissipated. I mean, it's still here. 
And then everybody headed for the airports. That was the problem. Everyone's flying now. And so it's not that so much that the airlines are incompetent. Some of them are. But the point is, the everyone's flying this summer. Everyone's going to the airport. Well, if you increase traffic by some crazy astronomical percentage, well, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, you're going to have problems in the system. Now, it may get ironed out in September. It may not be till next March. I don't know. I'm not an aviation logistics expert, but that's the problem is everyone's going, hitting the road now. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, it's real easy to go buy a plane ticket. It's not so hard to, not so easy to get a pl- new plane, a new pilot or a new stewardess. They have to go through training and new mechanics and build planes. That takes time. So you can just go to your favorite airline and purchase the ticket, but will there be a pilot? I don't know. So it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't plan on flying anytime in the near future. Um, even though the flight I go back and forth to Houston, or it's like my private shuttle from, Houston, Orlando, but they go specifically or Houston, Orlando, because United is the only one that goes nonstop Houston, Orlando. I just, it just lucked out that way. Now, if I wanted to go to my hometown of Rochester, it may be a totally different animal for me. Right. Right. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for coming back on the show. We talked a lot of stuff, a lot about procrastination. We kept going back to procrastination. Yep. And, but we did talk about travel and we talked about other stuff, but I just think it's a fascinating conversation. I think anyone who listens to this and didn't get some nuggets out of information out of this, uh, they're missing the point because we did talk a lot about a lot of different things, but I think it's all value information. So as we wrap up, where can people go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Well, first off, thank you again for the invite. Honored to be back for a second time. And uh, as like the last time, it went just like that time went very, very quickly, uh, which is great. Um, if you, uh, I am at kmstime.com and uh, three aspects of my business. I, I provide general time management uh, to both individuals, teams, and corporations. Uh, I also provide sales, operations, coaching, leadership, time management there as well, uh, specifically designed to sales. And then the third element of my job, which is really the most fun for me right now, is people who go through life and head into retirement, helping them time plan. I'm not a financial planner. Don't ask me to, to manage your portfolio. But when it comes to managing your time as you head into retirement, that's the third element of my business that I try to help people with. That, that's awesome. And I can tell you, I'm 57 and I, I'm a daily runner. I've been running every day for almost five years. And I plan on running when I'm on my 100th birthday. And I am doing that because I take the time to take care of myself. See, a lot of people, they just, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it later. You need to take care of yourself now. And what really got me into this mode, Dave, is when my mother got diagnosed with late onset Alzheimer's and she went off the cliff. I mean, three and a half years, she went off the cliff. Her mother died at Alzheimer's. My mom mm-hmm. died at Alzheimer's. And I remember when she first got it, I got to talk to her doctors and I said, is there anything I could do to mitigate this or am I doomed? And he goes, there's no cure for Alzheimer's. I go, I know that he goes, but there's things you can do to mitigate it. Even if it runs in your family, you know what he said, Dave, this is, this is so cutting edge stuff, diet, exercise, and sleep. He goes, we've been telling people that around, uh, around the world for years, 
But what happens, we eat McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have Ho-Ho's. We have candy. If you just take small changes, Dave and I talked about this a lot on the show today, small changes. So I decided I'm going to start running every day. So I take care of my cardiovascular. And when you take care of your cardiovascular, it takes care of your brain. What they're finding out in Alzheimer's patients is because they become sedentary, Things don't move around the noggin so much. So I am moving every single day. I'm making sure I have an all organic smoothie with broccoli sprouts and broccoli and, you know, all this good stuff in the morning. I'm taking care of it. I'm getting enough sleep. So there's little things you can do, even if you're 57, 58 years old. But if you get Alzheimer's, if you get real bad arthritis, then it's too late. So I'm imploring you, especially if you're 30 and 20s right now. Don't say, oh, I'll do it later. That's called procrastination. You need to start taking care of yourself now. If you want to make 100 years old, no better time than today. So that's what got me into taking care of my health because I'm not procrastinating until I get the symptoms of Alzheimer's. I'm doing something about it now. And I think everyone should do the same thing. So invest the time now so you have the time later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great. You came back on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. And it's a pleasure having you back here. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age. But you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.